Welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing right now on a Wednesday afternoon. Um, a bit of a challenging uh, landscape for this podcast uh, because things are happening very quickly in the NBA. And, you know, by the time you listen to this, things could change a lot. So, uh, and also we're not, we're not recording at night tonight because uh, the two folks who are on with me today have to uh, virtually attend games tonight. So we can't do it. So just bear with us a little bit on this um, as we try to work through this. Uh, joining us, uh, it's Wednesday, so you know what's happening. Uh, joining us from Dallas is, uh, is Ban McMahon. But Ban McMahon, you, you, your head's been in Houston, <laughs> which we'll talk about in a minute. You physically haven't been in Houston in a while, but your head's been in Houston for a long time. Howdy, partners. And joining us from Boston, and uh, actually, you're you're physically attending the game tonight, right? We, I believe we both are. I'm not sure about McMahon, but I no, will no, be no, no. I'm, Xbox. I am I am uh, covering from the couch. I've got okay. perhaps a Rockets game, and then also the Mavs opening up against the Suns in Phoenix. Okay. All well, right. by the time well, I, will, well, I will be at yeah, I will be at Celtics Bucks tonight. Okay. Um, all right. So um, McMahon. Uh, James Harden, we got another chapter here. Uh, by the time you guys all listen to this, there could be resolution here. But you've been all over this story, and um, what is he doing? Well, he's violating COVID protocols. Is the short answer? Okay, I mean it's just, and he did it going to Atlanta and Vegas very publicly. Six days of uh, had to test negative. Six straight days. He did that before being cleared to practice. Let's be honest. He didn't give a crap when he was cleared to practice. But this is a situation where he's put himself in jeopardy where the league can give him a warning, a fine, and or a suspension. And he clarified it was not a strip club despite – So, know, yeah, so, so, so he comes out and says on IG that I was at an event. Um, right. But under the rules, it doesn't matter whether he was at a – Christmas dinner with a bunch of nuns or he was with strippers. Exactly. If you're at, if you're at in a closed indoor event with 15 plus people, you are in violation. You are not allowed to go to bars, lounges, clubs, or like you said, a social event with 15 or more people. So his thing where, you know, James is upset one thing after another every day, it's something different. Wow. 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 Violin music. Um, so, dude, no one. It's not whether you were at a strip club or not. It's whether you're violating COVID protocols, which you blatantly did. I think James realized that was an admission, and he deleted that post. Yeah, he deleted it, which just shows that he's not thinking or being advised. I mean, he's probably being advised, but he doesn't he's care. He's being enabled. He's just like he's been enabled for a long time. It's like, and listen, all he has to do right now is just be patient, be professional. Show up where you're supposed to and go home other than that, and he will get traded at some point in the not too distant future. And Bontemps, it's not like this is a draconian measure. The the union agreed to these rules. Yeah, look, I mean, everybody here is incentivized to play out this season, right? We all knew that the NBA trying to play a season out in the wild. Uh, outside of the friendly confines of the Orlando bubble, uh, it was going to be a complicated thing. All we have to do is look at what happened in baseball and look at what happened in the NFL and look what happened with Major League Soccer and see that having guys you know, living their normal lives trying to play these games was going to result in positive tests and was going to result in complications if everybody's following the rules. And that's where you have a situation where, you know, however unhappy James is, to have somebody just you know, flagrantly violating the rules like this you know, it, it's, a, it's a disaster situation for the league in that you have one of the most high-profile players in the league out there doing stuff that clearly is outside of the, what the league has set out as, you know, reasonable things for people to do. And it certainly doesn't make the league look very good when there already are people questioning whether they should be playing at all with the virus raging at a higher level than it has all year long up to this point. And, and look, what we, we did report at the time, but he did – test positive for coronavirus. He had coronavirus over the summer. That's why he was right. late to the bubble. Okay, right. which, so perhaps which, which, which he feels... Which we've been dancing around saying for yes, weeks, and, and I'm glad you finally said it. Right, Thank it's you. just like, I mean, look, I mean, so, you know, I don't know exactly what's going through his head, but I'm, you know, I think it's reasonable to say he's thinking, hey, I've already had it. I can't get it again, which, you know, let's not get into the science as whether we know that's true or not, but just saying. Can't get it again. Can't give it to other people. Whatever. I'm not at risk. Doesn't matter. 
you have to follow the league's protocols. And I can promise you this. I'm sure you guys have probably heard from other teams as well. Teams are looking very closely at this situation, wondering, is the NBA going to set a precedent that they are going to be firm and serious about this? Or are they going to let it slide? And then how the hell do you enforce anything? Okay, so I just want to, like, you've been very uh, loud about, uh, not loud, you've been very clear about what you think is an enabling uh, situation in Houston. I am not going to compare Major League Baseball to the NBA too much. The situations are very different. But I just want to take you back to this summer when two Cleveland Indians starting pitchers, one of whom was one of the best players on their team, broke COVID protocols. And the team was so angry at them that they demoted them to the minors. One of their top, you know, one of their top two starters, and and by the way, a few weeks later, later traded them. I don't think I don't um, think Harden will be suiting up for the Rio Grande Valley Vipers, but I hear what you're saying. But my point <laughs> is, like they said, we're going to set a standard for how this is going to be, and not only did it set a standard for the Indians, it set a standard for elsewhere in the league because it was like, look, um, we're having a hard time getting through this. We're trying to, you know. Uh, you know, we're trying to get this done here. And, you know, the, the, the players were policing themselves. I'm fairly certain. I don't remember all the details, but I'm fairly certain the players like voted, send them. Yeah. They, I was going to say the players in that situation had a vote and, and said, we don't want these guys around because they're putting right. us in danger. Right. And like the starter who was, uh, uh, what's his nickname is Mike uh, Clevenger, Mike Clevenger, sunshine. They called him. He was like, he missed like three starts, which for a team was in the, was, was going to be in a race for the playoffs. Like that could have been three wins because the guy's one of their best pitchers. So what I'm saying here is that obviously the Rockets are not going to police it themselves because they haven't been able to stop him. So the league, and, and, and by the time we all hear this podcast, there could be a, a ruling, as you said, and, and McMahon, you went over the, um, uh, the, the three options, you know, uh, warning, right. fine, suspension. Um, what we don't know is what was said to Harden after he came back by the team or the league, after he came back and had gone to those two clubs in Vegas and, and, uh, uh, Atlanta. I, I know that you reported that he kind of was in a gray area because he hadn't quote entered the COVID protocol yet. So he was kind of like in, you know, like a, a nether region, and maybe they couldn't have done this on a technicality, but there's another region joke to be made, but let's go on. <laughs> but don't you think that they gave him some sort of tisk tisk? Well, I shouldn't say, don't you think what he, he was told Listen, at that time would be relevant. I don't know what, I don't know what he's hearing from the league office. I mean, the Rockets are in a situation where they're just trying to like create temporary peace, right? Just, Hey, come in, show up, play, be professional. Let's try to win some games while you're here, and we're going to try to get a deal done to, to to move you elsewhere. But you know, on the Rockets' terms, not James's. So, the it's such a just an odd, uncomfortable, really awkward situation for the Rockets. Where they, you know, first of all, James Harden has set the rules in that franchise for eight years. So, what are they going to do? They're going to crack down on him now that he's trying to get the hell out of Dodge. I mean, the whole thing is just, you know, the. The sooner the better for a trade, but again, <laughs> you say that until the Rockets get 60 cents on the dollar and doom themselves to a long, painful rebuilding process for a generation. Well, to Brian's point, this goes beyond that too, because look, if one of the highest profile players in the league is able to violate the protocols and do what he wants, why is anyone else going to follow them? In the exactly. first week. In That's the first that week. Right. The day of the first game of the season. And remember, playing against the Oklahoma City Thunder – uh, the team that was involved in the season getting shut down back in March to just make this a complete circle on 2020. I mean, this, th this is a, this is a big moment, I think for the league, because when again, they're already, if you're, you know, they're already having issues with, with uh, COVID positives and contact tracing. They're they already know that it's issues. Mm -hmm. That's right. And if you have a situation where, where people don't feel any re reason to follow the rules because of any potential punishment of any kind, uh, then, you know, what's the point of having him in the first place? And and how are you going to look at the Los Angeles Clippers and say, yeah, hey, we made Lou Williams sit in his hotel room in the bubble for 10 days because he went and picked up chicken wings and, you know, perhaps did a little. When there wasn't this, this ironclad rule. I mean, they sort of had, um, they had like, uh, you know, nebulous rules at that time. But now there is a, there is a square box that he's in violation of. Yeah. And, you know, I love this podcast medium. We're a little out of position on timing here, but I'm just going to tell you, 
I would not be surprised if we're looking at a suspension and maybe even more than one game. And if for no other reason than they got to set the tone and he's a potentially a multi, uh, you know, multi-time uh, violator here because of what happened before. And, well, and, uh, and if, if you look at the previous, what the, how they handled James coming, you know, reporting to camp after being out in the clubs, it was, in, in, and they were figuring it out on the fly, but it was six straight days of negative tests. Now, Ramona has reported that, that this video was from Monday night and he's tested negative Monday Tuesday, well, Wednesday. I so, don't think you know. he's going to tell. I mean, we don't know the antibodies, right? We 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 don't know for sure, but he clearly and, doesn't and just, think. And just to set up where we're at in real time, uh, our colleague Adrian Wojnarowski has just reported it. Uh, Kenny Martin Jr. has had a positive test followed by a negative test, which is in the middle of what's con- a contact tracing situation with several other Rockets players. So right. the, but, but, but this I'm whole gonna, thing is just an right. ongoing mess. But I'm going to draw. Level. I'm going to draw a line between the issues that the Rockets are having with COVID on their team and Harden. Right. His well, I'm not mi- saying it's the same issue. I'm just, it well, just underscores how much of a, a complicated mess this whole right. thing is for everybody. Right. But I'm just, you know, and the, here's the other thing, you know, the, the team has to have eight players. Um, a team has to have eight players in uniform to play a game. Uh, what if they, what if the Rockets end up with eight players and the league has to make a decision on suspending Harden? And the suspension well, of Harden yeah. would, would cost that, the game. And that's a possibility. They've got 16 on the roster. Chris Clemens is hurt. That's 15. McLemore and Martin are, are on the injury report, not with team self-isolating. They've both tested positive. That's 13. Wall, Cousins, Tate gets you down to 10. If it's Harden, it's nine. And I, and I believe there's a there's at least one, one maybe as many as two or three other players in this contact tracing thing. I heard they the had numbers- four guys that shoot around this morning, McMahon. Yeah, the numbers get dicey real quick. So, um, and this is going to be an ongoing thing all season. We're just yeah. it, it's going to be all over the place as we yeah. go along. So, uh, it's a it's a quagmire and um, good word. That is a good Q word. Well, we'll. I mean, I guess I just I have to say we'll see. I, I um, it's really not. It's it's an unfortunate situation because it just sucks the energy out of the league's first week. I mean, we know. And there is a drama uh, complex that people like following this stuff, and it's, and to a certain uh, segment of the, of the fan base, they they think it's hilarious that Harden is doing this, and he's obviously behaving like he's not concerned about getting COVID. I don't think I have to get into his head. He obviously doesn't think he's much at risk because he's hanging out without a mask. But there's so many different layers to this, and it sucks the energy out of this week that the the NBA pushed the envelope to get back for this week. To have like what we had on opening night where we had this really great ceremony with the Lakers. I thought the ring ceremony was just fantastic uh, with the families announcing them and and the, and the first responders being there. I thought it was just awesome. But we're having it sucked out of us by by this kind of behavior. And it's, well, it certainly um, undercuts the league's, you know, Adam Silver has gone out of his way to try to send the message that the league can be a leader and trying to uh, show people how to come back to work and do these different things. And it, it certainly undercuts that one. One of the faces of your league is doing stuff that flagrantly violates what you're trying to do also. <sighs> and I just, <laughs> you know what though? I'll bet it. Uh, people are saying that, that damage is trade market. I don't think so. I, I, I don't, I, I don't I, think so. I don't, I, think, I don't so think so. I mean, just to be honest with you, People want this guy, man. Um, Listen, and, who, what are you going to do? Are you going to go get the other guy who's led the league and scored in the last three seasons right. and done it efficiently? Like yeah. he's a or the other talent. or the or the other superstar who's available in trade right now. Yeah, like, that's it. Uh, and he's it. again, people understand there's a lot of maintenance that goes into having James Harden on your team, but there's also 35 points per game. Eight to ten assists per game. I mean, you know, the NBA kind is of a talent, talent business, yeah. and James Harden is a talent. At the end, exactly. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is, all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start with thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can. Even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com bike 
slash rentals. Terms apply. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right. Um, I do uh, want to talk about something that has been swept under the rug already this week because of the, the news avalanche, but I think is a really interesting thing that happened. Um, Bontemps, you asked Adam Silver the question. I think it's important to point out that Adam Silver didn't make a statement on this. You asked him a question. And we have been asking him, but between you and I have asked him a number of times over the last three years, four years. Other people have asked him as well. Adam Silver was asked by you on his uh, press conference this week about where the NBA is with expansion. And for the first time in a long time, he changed his answer. And if you are in Seattle or other places, um, your ear should have perked up. Um, can you brief us on what he said and what it means? Yeah. So to give a little bit of backstory, as you said, for the past few years, you and I and our colleague, Kevin Pelton in particular, have been kind of honed in on this question of expansion. And Adam Silver periodically has press conferences, you know, three or four times a year, usually at least. And at least once a year, he's been asked by one of us, hey, what, where is your stance at the moment on expansion? And his answer has been some variation of the following words. It's not something we're considering. Uh, and it was pretty much open and shut, not something we're going to do. And on Monday, when I asked him about it, uh, in the wake of the league obviously taking a very big financial hit this year uh, because of the pandemic, he said, uh, he started to say, we haven't changed our position. But then he said the important thing, which is we've begun to look at our analyses of the economic and competitive ramifications of expansion, which... For someone like Adam Silver, who chooses his words incredibly carefully, and you know he and Mike Bass and the rest of their PR team think about any possible question they have ahead of time, uh, that was a very notable omission or uh, admission, I should say. And to me, as you said, if I'm in Seattle or one of these other places where there's potential for an NBA team, I'm thinking that expansion is happening, and it's happening, you know, much faster than any or any timeline we would have thought a year ago. Um, and the simple fact is because of the economic factors that would come into play. If you add two expansion teams to the league, you're talking about adding, you know, four, four to five billion dollars, maybe more than that in expansion fees, which gets split up among the 30 current NBA teams, which is a giant check that goes to all 30 teams that would wipe away a lot of the potential losses that have hit the league over the past 10 months. Yeah. So a couple of things here. Number one. The league's financial position is dramatically different than it has been three, four years ago when the league's revenues were growing, sometimes by double digits percentages per year. Oh, my God. Somebody just over Harden is overflying. Dude, I've got like the neighbor's uh, yard. is. <laughs> Harden is coming for McMahon. It's finally happening. Um, anyway, um, so – the league has increased their borrowing this year by, I think, around a billion dollars. Um, and they've given every single one of their teams, in addition to covering losses, they've just given every single one of their teams a $30 million uh, grant, basically, um, to just help them get through this year. And by the way, you know, the fallout will probably go beyond this year because not everybody is going to uh, come flying back. Um uh, you know, revenue is not going to come flying back. But right there alone, that's a $900 million loan, $30 million for every team. So, the, 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 you know, and it's one thing to to have the, the, the credit. That's good. You know, you have the credit, so you use the credit, but you got to pay that money back. So where do you go find new revenue? Well, we're in the middle of a television contract. You know, you're not going to all of a sudden get more money for TV. And not only that, the ratings are down. So that's not happening. Um, there's a possibility of... Um, maybe creating this mid-season tournament or whatever, but right now they're playing less than 82 games. 
So they're still in deficit. They can't add something to something they don't have. So where do you get the money? Well, the answer is it could be expansion. And I, I don't necessarily think it's the NBA is um, in the greatest position to expand right now because there are several markets out there that are wheezing. Um, ideally, you would, to be honest with you, ideally you would relocate some teams. Um, but I'm, you know, as a as somebody who's from Cleveland and watched the Browns get ripped away, as a teenager, I am not going to sit here and advocate for that. Although, that if you're just being cold-hearted about it, that's the way you should go about it. But this is what's really important, and I, I don't think this can be understated. Um, when, when, when a fan buys a ticket or ESPN gives the NBA money or you sell a jersey, that money comes in and gets divided 50-50 50 for every dollar, 50 cents to the players, 50 cents to the owners. When it comes to expansion, they do not have to share it. So if you get $4 billion for two expansion teams, that $4 billion gets divided up by 30 and given in a check to all those teams they don't have to share with the players. And that is enormous in this time and place. So McMahon, if you're in Seattle, I mean, well, first off, McMahon, do you think the NBA should be adding 30 more players to this uh, league right now. I don't know if it's the best decision from a competitive standpoint, but I understand from an economic standpoint. I'm I'm all for getting a team back in Seattle, getting a franchise back in Seattle. I think there's, I mean, look, Seattle is an NBA city. It's a great city period, but they've got great NBA tradition. It's a hoops hotbed. I mean, you know, it's a place that's passionate about basketball. And honestly, I think there's 30 more NBA caliber players uh, in the world. I don't, I don't think that adding two teams is going to dilute uh, the the product that much. So yeah, I'm all for it. Uh, Seattle, and then figure out which other city you want to add. Well, and, and as much as it pains me to agree with McMahon, I don't think there's any question that um, the talent is there. I mean, there's far more international talent than there's ever been before. I, I think adding 30 players is fine. And, and your point, Brian, on the economic side of this is is the crux of the issue. Like the reason that the league has not wanted to expand at this point is because when you, you when you talk about teams relocating, you know, with some markets that are weaker without getting into which ones, um, the league would, I'm sure, would have rather, if they had the ability to wave a magic wand, move a team from a weak market to Seattle and therefore not have to split the TV money up more and just roll along with a stronger um, revenue base with one of these teams that's in a currently weaker one. But because of the pandemic, and because of the hits to TV revenue and to gate revenue and everything else, now the financial incentives have shifted to where it makes sense for the league to add two teams and take a little bit of a hit from each of the 30 teams' individual TV money going forward because they're going to get this lump sum to make them whole on what's happened over the past year. And that is why you saw the league make that shift or Adam make that shift this week in terms of what his position is. And it's why I think there's a much better chance of this happening do the Kraken start this year or they start one more year? The Kraken start now? I think the, the, they start next season, but I don't honestly know that. Okay, for sure. I'll so, look it up right now. so so the uh, the new NHL Kraken. team in Seattle. That's the new NHL team in Seattle. Should get gear. <sighs> what a They've nickname. got great logos. Yeah. Well, that was so, Greg, that was Greg Hardy's nickname. Really enjoyed covering his season with the Cowboys, let me tell you. <laughs> to, to, just so just so we have it officially, they're starting next season, not this okay. season. Okay. So the arena, so Key Arena has been renovated. Um and uh, will be available for you know for an NBA team. There's also the group that tried to buy the Kings and move the Kings to Seattle. Uh, still is hoping to build an NBA only arena there. Now that's pretty far off. They haven't gotten clearance for that. But I will point out that um, the guy who owns a bunch of that land where they want to put the new arena is Steve Ballmer. <laughs> mm. So uh, considering Steve Ballmer might have a say in. Uh, uh, what happens there. But either way, Seattle is going to be a very vibrant market. If we assume that Seattle's, if there's expansion, the Seattle's almost certainly going to get a team. And there's a possibility that the um, the uh, owner of the Kraken um, is interested. He has said on the record he is interested in in buying and having an, an NBA team, although I would think that it'll be open up to the highest bidder. Well, and that and, team also has many of t- many ties to the league, including Tim Wiwicki, who's you know been involved with multiple teams as as part of that group too. So right. they, but there's I a still lot of think, NBA ties there. I still I still think it goes open. It's the highest bidder. And listen, I don't know where Jeff Bezos is in interest in being a sports team owner, um, but if Jeff Bezos wants to buy an NBA team, uh, he could have a team in Seattle, <laughs> and right. and he could have Amazon Arena um, or whatever. Uh, you know, there's a lot of money in Seattle. 
Um, so that's a, I mean, that's almost a guarantee that it's going to There's be no question Seattle would get an expansion team. The so question now, would become what's the other city? What's the other city? Now, um, Bontemps, you went to Mexico City a couple of years ago with the Washington Post when you were there. The NBA does have interest in Mexico City. You know, I don't know if now is the time to go there, but that's I, I, on the board. I think that's an awful idea. I I, I just well, think it, it is such a – and Bontemps, you made the trip, but talking to – like the Mavericks made the trip and talking to people just so – it's such a hassle just to make that trip as far as when you land – Going through customs, it's a journey from the airport. I mean, it, it's like an hours-long ordeal just to get from the airport to the hotel. Well, that's the there, way it is in Toronto. Are, that's, yes, that's the there, situation there in are, Toronto. There are an extraordinary number of complications to Mexico City, from protection for players there to, uh, frankly, the water being an issue there to uh, being the uh, air. obviously another country, the air, the air, the air, the air there, the altitude there. Like, it is... Uh, having been there, it is it is I think half a mile higher than uh, Denver is. I mean, the altitude is a massive thing there. There, there's a lot of the traffic of, from the airport the, to the, the traffic. Uh, every, everything is an issue, but but there's a giant pool of money in Mexico City, and that is why I think you have the NBA talking about putting a G League team there, and it gets you into well, Latin put, America. They were and, gonna put a G League team there, but they right. it hadn't they, got off the ground. It, just it hasn't got off the ground. it hasn't off the, got off the ground. It may never, but that. Look, here's the thing. Seattle will get an expansion team if the league expands, almost certainly. It would take some kind of unbelievable series of events for that not to be the case. You would think the league would want to expand to 32 teams, in part because, as you mentioned earlier, Brian, if you have 32 teams, all of a sudden all these tournament ideas that the NBA wants to do, that gets very clean when you have 32 yeah. teams. You know, So that, that I think, is a factor here, too. Plus, it just evens out the conferences. You have 16 in both conferences. That Plus, it's an extra couple of billion dollars. Let's just get right. to the bottom and line. That, and that's that's the other factor, right? You're talking about probably $5 billion, maybe more in money instead of two and a half. So that or, or somewhere in that ballpark. So that makes a ton of sense. So put all that aside. Now, where are the cities that make sense? The obvious one is Las Vegas. That one will come up immediately. We don't know what the NBA feels about the arena there, but there's room there to build an arena. The, the Golden Knights and the, the Raiders have just moved there. That one makes a lot of sense. The league obviously has summer league there. You have the players' association will probably vote for it. You would think so. <laughs> uh, you have I could see cities like San Diego and San Jose in California potentially being interesting. I doubt the levels. Warriors would let a team into yeah. San Jose. Well, you wouldn't think so, but I, there's the, my point in this is there's not a great a second great option to me. So I think there's a variety that could come. I've up. heard I Louisville mentioned. Louisville could come up. Nashville could come up. Tampa could I come think, up. I think Nashville. We'll see. Tampa is is doing a dry run right now. That's right. And Nashville made Nashville made a bid. They Nashville and Tampa, as far as I know, were the finalists for the Raptors. So I, I and I don't know what the economic situation in Louisville is. I know Nashville is very vibrant, and um, and, and, and the, Louisville the, has Louisville has an arena where the Cardinals play. The Louisville Cardinals play. Nashville has an NBA arena. Nashville, Nashville has a downtown arena. arena. Yeah. So they're. There's not a clear the point. Vancouver, I think, also could be a factor too. Um, there is a lot of money in Vancouver now, also a lot more than there was 25 years ago when the Grizzlies were there. The point is that, to me, Seattle is virtually a lock to get a team for obvious reasons. We've all been waiting for the Sonics to get back there in some form since they left, um, like what the league did with the Charlotte Hornets back in 2004. Um, the the question to me is what that second city is to make this even, and I think all of them have potential drawbacks, uh, all these options. And that's yeah. to me is what's going to be interesting is to figure out where this team wants. Well, there up. is an ownership, a Vegas based ownership group that, w that showed interest in uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, but Glenn Taylor, who's still got the Timberwolves for sale, made it clear the, the wolves are not moving. Um, uh, so there is, and I don't know how much money they have. It's not clear to me, but there is a group in Vegas that's trying to make this happen. And a lot of times that's what you need, you know, like does like, for example, Kansas city 10 years ago built this glorious arena in downtown Kansas city with the idea that they could maybe get an NBA team, but there was not an ownership group. The reason there's a team in Oklahoma city was because there was an ownership group that had deep pockets that made it a priority to get a team to Oklahoma city. They went out and got a team and made it happen. There is a there is a group in Vegas that wants to make it happen. I'm not sure if there's a group in Nashville. I'm not sure if there's a group in Tampa, but there is a group in Vegas, and that is for sure um, something that is is relevant. Now, let me tell you what I think is interesting. First off, um, 
I would say that I've I've gone from thinking that expansion in the next five years was ten percent. I've gone to fifty one percent on this bond temps. I now think it's it's. Um, I think it's higher than that. Okay. I, I think Adam, as we as we all know, when Adam talks, he doesn't make mistakes, and there has been no you know there's been no walk back from the league or no you know turnaround from the league on anything that was reported off what Adam said. And as you guys both know. This expansion thing has been a huge topic of conversation the past couple of days. And I say been no clarifying on. It. I say we're going to have expansion teams in three years. The teams will be playing basketball. By the way, the fifty-one percent from Wendy—that's like Chuck Barkley making the Garon. <laughs> yep, that's a, that's a huge that's now, a huge statement. Now here's what I'm people say. know: there's probably a two-year lag time on when a team is announced to when it plays. Yeah, so, so even I think, if somebody was announced over the next twelve months, it probably would start till the twenty-three, twenty-four. I season think. I think. I think a year from now, bids will be in, and two years later, we'll have a team. We'll have teams. I think that, that's, that's my I, guess. That would be, I, you know, I could certainly see that timeline happening. And look, who knows what will happen? Things have been crazy over the past year. Who knows what's going to happen over the next year? But I think the fact that Adam said this and opened the door to it, I, I think it's very clear that it, it's something that's on the table yeah. in a way, to your point, it hasn't been for years. Now, you know what's going to be fascinating? Let's just say for the sake of argument that it is Seattle and Vegas. I mean, it's Seattle for sure. That means there's going to be the West is going to be two teams heavy. Can you Memphis imagine New Orleans go east? Listen, man. The team's it's fighting gonna be, to go east. It's going to be a brawl. <laughs> yes. Because well, not, I mean, to me, it's not going to be hey. a brawl. It's oh, going to be. Really? You, oh, you, well, think, no. you, you think the Wolves are going to be like, yeah, we'll stay in the West. Well, we don't no, care. Well, we have made the playoffs. We have well, made the playoffs one time no, no, in, no, in 16 well, years. We'll, we'll stay in the West. Yeah, let me finish there, boss. Uh, well, I only, like when he cuts you off. It, it, well, you would. There's only three teams that have an argument for it in Minnesota. Memphis and New Orleans. And I think it just makes sense geographically to have the two teams that are next to each other be the ones to shift east. Maybe it's unfair I, to Minnesota, but it I think it I think that's what makes sense. Maybe, I, maybe Oklahoma City's got a got a bit. Oklahoma City is not that far from these east teams. Oklahoma City no, is Oklahoma, not. Oklahoma City Oklahoma is City's, straight north from Dallas. Yeah, Oklahoma, City is, Oklahoma City is hundred percent not moving east. If Oklahoma City doesn't put in a put in a petition to move east when that happens, they'll be derelict in their duties. They, listen, they can Brian. They could put in any kind of – I mean, the, the Lakers could put in a petition to move to the east if they want. They're not going to move not, to the east. Listen, I'm just telling I mean, you. You are the flunked American geography. I bet you had to repeat eighth grade like six times. I, I would whip your ass in geography from here to eastern uh, <laughs> Siberia. Wow. Well, I, don't, I couldn't point out eastern Siberia on a map, <laughs> I know. so you might be I right. Know. You think geography makes is going to be the most important factor? You're a fool. It's going to be politics. And I'm telling you – and and the Thunder win so many NBA political uh, battles. I'm Thunder not saying they're going to win. I'm it's not gonna saying come, it's going to come. Dallas is further those. east. That's Houston right. is further east. It's going to come New down. New Orleans to, is further east. It's going to come down to. It's going to come down to New Orleans, Memphis, and Minnesota. One of those Minnesota. teams is going to be disappointed, and I assume it's going to be Minnesota. I forgot <laughs> what it. I forgot the circumstances and and how it worked, but I remember Cuban somehow like this was four or five years ago, was pushing some sort of proposal that would put the Mavericks in the East. I don't, I don't remember how. It was That's like what one I'm of those. Saying. It, of yeah, course. it was, what's it called uh, when when this happens, picking the political districts? Yeah, could, gerrymandering. Yeah, you know those fancy yes. words. If you yes. don't think there's going to be a, I'm not saying, like everything you're saying, Bontemps, linearly makes sense. Well, I just know that's what the answer is going to be. So yes, there's going to be teams fighting to get in the East for sure. But the answer is going to be two of Minnesota and New Orleans are going to end up in the East. Don't make any assumptions. Maybe they go, maybe they go North South. Maybe they ditch the East West. Now, where To me, where this would get much more interesting to me is if you add say Nashville and Seattle to get completely into the land of speculation, right? If you add say Nashville and Seattle, then maybe you move Minnesota to the east and you keep Memphis and New Orleans in the west, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that then it becomes trickier. I think if you have if you have two teams that are clearly west of those teams, I think it just makes sense to move the two teams here geographically near each other to the Eastern Conference. But I think if you think that, geography, that, I think it gets, if, if you think geography is going to be the number one thing, I think you're making a mistake. Well, maybe we'll see. Hopefully we're having this discussion because I would love for there to yeah. be two more teams. I'd love for Seattle to get a team. Right. Well, point. It right. would be great. It's going to be interesting. Uh, to be continued. 
You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Uh, we had a lot of NBA business this week on the contract side. Uh, McManus had a big week. McMahon with a big story on uh, uh, was it Monday? Gobert? What? what? No, it was Sunday. It was Sunday morning. Yep, Sunday morning. So Rudy Gobert gets the third biggest contract in NBA history, two hundred five million dollar extension. Anthony Davis, by the way, signed for one ninety. Rudy Gobert signed for two hundred five. Now, as Anthony Davis gave up his supermax option when he asked for a trade, it's not. You know, it's Anthony Davis' right. situation. But Rudy Gobert and Anthony Davis just both signed five-year deals, and Gobert got $15 million more to show. Um, this. Uh, you talked to Rudy. Um, I know Rudy, was v- he was very clear this is about loyalty. This is about money. I mean, Man. listen, Rudy was, you know, Rudy feels like he left money on the table. I think he got a pretty dang good deal. Um, but whatever the case, this was a case where Rudy Gobert wanted to stay in Utah, but he wanted to make sure he felt appreciated and respected. The Jazz stepped up. Uh, new owner Ryan Smith has left no doubt that he's willing to spend to try to give the Jazz a chance to contend. I mean, he's committed. If if uh, Donovan Mitchell is All-NBA, makes one of the three All-NBA teams, he's committed potentially $400 million to those two guys uh, over the next five seasons starting next season. Um, but and the Jazz, they could not let Rudy Gobert walk. Like you can't. It's not like it's not like they could have taken that two hundred five and spread it out because it, you know it just would have created a massive hole in their roster. And I, you know, I I don't have the exact cap situation, but it's it's not like they would have had you know forty million dollars in, in in flexibility to go spending. That's not the way it would have worked. Right. So this was a tough one, uh, Bon Temps, because with all the guys who had signed. Gobert was going to almost certainly get a max offer, probably multiple max offers next summer. And, you know, uh, while he certainly could have stayed with Utah, not getting extended now would not have helped his situation. So the Jazz kind of had to pay him, and they kind of had to pay him more than the max because otherwise, um, you know, he was a super max eligible, so he could actually get uh, more than the max. That's why he got more than um, than Davis. Yep. The Jazz were in a tight spot here. Like, if they don't extend him, he's probably there's a good chance he's walking. And if they extend him and they don't offer him more than the max he can get a year from now, he's not going to sign it. They kind Rudy kind of had him, and um, you know it's not often a player's in this situation, and he 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 got it. Uh, props to him. Um, it really is a situation that hasn't happened too often in the NBA. You know this was the kind of situation that Kemba Walker was in with Charlotte, where it was like, you got to pay, you know, you you can pay me more than the next team. So you have to. And Charlotte was like, we're not gonna. And so he said, I'm out of here then. Yeah. And, and I think that, I think the difference, the big difference there is Charlotte was a, maybe they sneak in the playoffs, maybe not team where the jazz are at least a perennial playoff team. And, you know, whether you agree or not, they feel like they have the potential to be more than just a, a team that gets in the playoffs. They feel like they have the potential to be a team that is a is a threat. I would say well, this, and, and yeah. again, they have they have been purchased in the past three months by a fan of the team. And who's he is, richer? Who's richer? And who who is a rich guy who is playing who is operating the team like a fan who is a rich guy owns the team. And I give him to McMahon's point full credit for being willing to spend money into the tax to have this team stay together. The Jazz are a really good team. 
They're going to remain a really good team for the next several years. And you're right, Brian. You know, Rudy had all the leverage here. And in part, he had all the leverage because of what I think we're also going to talk about in a few minutes. You know, we saw a lot of guys sign rookie extensions this week also. Mm-hmm. The reason that all happened and the reason Rudy signed is because this summer's free agent class is awful. And Rudy Gobert would have been the best player available by a country mile. Well, Kawhi is going to be available. Oh, okay. All right. So assuming Kawhi stays, those two guys would have been the, the two best players by a country mile because all these other guys, Giannis, a bunch of other guys who are going to be available, LeBron, AD, all these guys who could have potentially Paul George, all these guys who could have been available all decided to sign extensions, right? So this, what was going to be a star studded free agent class suddenly became one that was devoid of star talent. And so Rudy was sitting there saying, Hey, you know, all these teams are going to have a ton of cap space. I'm going to have my chip, my pick of max offers to go to. So to your point, if you want to keep me, you've got to pay me. And I thought if Rudy didn't get extended, we've talked about this on the pod multiple times, more than James Harden, more than Bradley Beal, more than just about anybody available. If the Jazz hadn't extended Rudy, he was the number one guy I was looking at that could have swung the title picture if he got traded somewhere else because of his ability to impact the game defensively. And for Utah to keep him, locks them in as a team that's got a chance to be really good for the next few years. And it also, to me, takes a big chip off the board uh, for a potential trade piece over the next few months. Because again, I think if he's sitting there, to McMahon's point, with six months left on his contract, I don't think Utah could afford to lose him for nothing. And they would have been put in a position where they'd almost certainly have had to look at trading him if they couldn't get a deal done before free agency. So let me ask you this, McMahon, because you talked to Ryan Smith, the new owner, shortly after, shortly before he bought the team. Um, is this going to be a game changer for Utah now? Are they now entering like where the Cavs have been with Dan Gilbert, where it's a small market, but the guy's got deep pockets and he's going to go? They are not in the luxury tax, uh, and they can stay out of the luxury tax going I forward. That, I but... thought they were in the luxury oh, okay. tax right now, but it's a it's they can you know they can nip tuck get out of it. I asked him. I asked him straight up, like, are you willing to pay the luxury tax? And he basically and he joked. He actually joked. You mean like right now? Um, essentially, what he said is case to case basis. He wants to win first and foremost. You know, obviously, we all understand there's penalties for being a repeater team, those sorts of things. But I think this guy is going to be aggressive within within reason. And I don't think that he is he is not opposed to paying the luxury tax. I'll put it to you like that. Right. Um, it has to be for good reason and within reason. But, you know, he's he's got deep pockets. He has a lot of passion. And, you know, he's he stepped up for Gobert and obviously you know the the sale wasn't official when the Mitchell deal got done, but you know he had to he had to okay that one as well. Well, that was a no brainer. That was a, you know that's the the fun max I call it the uh, the fun max. That's that was a no brainer. Uh, although they gave him the player option. Now that was that's a different. Mm, topic. Both of them got player options. By the way, the, I think the the one thing also is that um, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert they might not be you know going out to the club when players are allowed to do those kind of things again. Uh, together, but they are in a good spot as far as their professional relationship. That's clear. All right. So some of the other extensions that got done, I think in my view, and with all of these extensions, uh, you know, there's you know, like uh, Luka Doncic is, an, is uh, you know, that'll be a no-brainer a year from now. But with a lot of these extensions, these non-max extensions, a lot of it is just is a bet, man. Uh, a lot of it's a bet. And the team that I think made a really good bet was the deal that the Raptors got with OG Ananobi. Four years, $72 million. It's fully guaranteed. Um, I don't think there's a player option in it. OG has a player option. He does. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, Bontemps, you are on the record as saying that you think OJ could make the OG could make the uh, the all-star team this year. But that number for OG Ananobi could end up being a very good number. And, and the reason I think they were – they were comfortable extending him now is because their options had kind of gone off the board. Um, you know, they're going to use up some of their cap space. They could have waited, but well, it also, they also barely, they, did, they also didn't really impact their cap space that much signing into this deal either. That's the other thing. Like they were still, yeah. they're still within shoot, uh, striking distance of a full max if they needed. I mean, I think this is a really, I mean, I'm not saying this guy's going to be franchise level player, but I think this is a good number out of all the deals that signed. This one was the one that I thought, Got done, and I think that it was because OG really wanted to get a deal done. I think he was really motivated to get something in place. He didn't want to risk it. He um, he's had some injuries in his career, and I think the Raptors played it well. 
look, he's a young guy that is going to be back on the market, I believe, when he's 25, assuming he opts. Yeah, he's 23. He turns 24 this year. He could be a free agent again at 27. Um, he's got plenty of time to get another deal down the road, if not multiple deals. And yeah, look, I mean, if you look ahead to next summer, again, with the lack of options that were on the table, he could have been in line if he had a really big year to have a huge payday next summer. But this is a guy who was drafted at the end of the first round, who came in the league with a torn ACL, who had you know a bunch of injuries and, and struggles in his second year. So I, I totally understand why he got a deal done. I think getting a player option makes a lot of sense um, for him to be able to get back in the market. And for the Raptors, you know, they've now got him, Pascal Siakam, and Fred Van Vliet locked up for the next several years, and they're going to be a factor in the Eastern Conference, you know, four years to come with those guys, regardless of what happens to Kyle Lowry or anybody else, because, you know, those three guys are, you know, all-star, you know, either borderline all-star level players or all-star level players, and, you know, all have upside to get better, too. I, I like Ananobi. I, let's let's let him play at an all-star level before we start referring to him <laughs> as a borderline all-star player. I mean, I like him. Good defender. Last year w- was a good all-around player. He also averaged 10.6 points. In f- well, he, he's, in my opinion, he's the best wing defender in the league now. And I think he's going to have a much bigger role in offense. And I think he's going to take a big step forward. Obviously, I, I, And I, I, do that, not, I do not doubt that. I'm saying let's see it. And listen, the Raptors obviously do a phenomenal job developing players. Yep. Van Vliet, Siakam. I don't doubt that he's going to take a leap, but I'm saying let's tap the brakes and let him perform at that so, level. There's no question. Yeah, there's no question on being aggressive with that. But the, and the other thing, too, just to spin ahead, if he had been a free agent, is you go back to the summer of 2017 in a similarly down free agent class, and Otto Porter got a full max from the Nets. And I think that OG, if he'd stayed healthy, certainly would have been in a position to, at minimum, uh, find himself getting a deal like that. Well, so like you know, there were some other deals we could talk about. At, you know, Jonathan Isaac got eighty million, not all, not fully guaranteed with the uh, torn ACL. Um, that was a surprise. Luke Kennard, um, fifty, I think it was fifty-six million guaranteed. Oh, okay. Yep, fifty-six uh, guaranteed plus incentives to get to sixty-four. Big number for a guy who's not a starter, and especially from a guy who was like a cast-off from. Detroit, who's had knee issues, but you know the Clippers have money and whatever. Um, Derek White, um, sixty-eight million guaranteed. He's got some incentives that can knock it to seventy-three, but sixty-eight million guaranteed. Um, interesting. Fultz. Uh, yeah, Fultz, uh, three years, uh, fifty million. I think the guarantee on that's in the forty or maybe the high thirties. I think only two million of the of the last year of the deal is included is a guaranteed, but you know, um, good for him. Um, I think it's in, more interesting about who didn't get extended um, and what this might mean. So John Collins is an interesting name um, in Atlanta. And John Collins came out the first day of training camp and said, I am thinking about my contract every day that I walk into the gym. And I think John Collins, who is puts up big numbers, um, but uh, – is not proving himself to be a, a you know his defense holds him back. Mm-hmm. John Collins, uh, from what I understand, was offered a strong contract by the uh, the the Hawks. Um, I heard he was offered in excess of ninety million. Now, who knows what the guarantees were and all that stuff? But John Collins was seeking something at or near the max, and he stuck to his guns. And he could potentially be a beneficiary if he has a great year. Bontemps, you just went over how thin the market is out there. He could be a guy that somebody could want to go after um, and either get stolen away or get a big offer sheet. Um, I mean, and, and that's the wager he's taken. And well, uh, and he could also be a guy who somebody goes after before the trade deadline. Um, that's right. Because if you're if you're Atlanta, you weren't able to get the extension done here. You know, you've got Gallinari who can play the four. You just went out and made a deal to get Capella, like. I question how Collins fits anyway. And they drafted Onyeko Okwangu with the sixth pick also. They've, they've got a lot of right. bigs on their team. Yeah, the other name that is interesting, um, well, Lonzo Ball, I, I don't know where – I, I didn't hear much about that deal. I don't I don't know how much how much talks they had. But now Lonzo is a guy who would be interesting. Um, he'll be restricted, obviously. Um, and then the other one is Lowry Markinen from the Bulls. Now, I heard they were pretty far apart. Uh, but Lowry was again, who he, he came out and vocally said, I want an extension. Let's get it done. Um, I heard they were pretty far apart. Uh, they were never really close, but another guy who could potentially be on the trade market, um, if they're so far apart, but those guys are taking, you know, th- they could end up being okay here because 
there is going to be a lot of money out there next year, and, and those teams have to go after somebody. And, and, you know, with Lonzo Ball, all he has to do is look over at Brandon Ingram. He wasn't able to get an extension worked out with the Pelicans. And You're right. Things worked out pretty – you know, he had a hell of a year for him. Things worked out pretty damn well. If, if Lonzo Ball plays like he was just before the, the pandemic hit, not the, you know, forget what happened in the bubble. He was he was hooping just before the pandemic hit. If he plays like that, I think he's going to just be he's he'll be just fine. The other guy I'm going to say who has a um, has a window to getting a river of gold, but he's gotta he's gotta have a good year. That's Victor Oladipo, because in that list of free agents, you know, uh, there's three guys who are unsigned: uh, Kawhi. I think it's foolish to think he would leave. And I think it's really foolish to think to, to even now even project what he might do if he does. Drew Holiday, who will be extension eligible, I believe, in February. He can't sign an extension right now because there are trade rules. But I would say if things go well, I think there's a good chance he's getting extended by Milwaukee, especially now that Giannis has signed what they traded for him. Uh, obviously, a lot of things can, ha- can happen in two, three months. But I think he, I don't think he's going to be on the market. And then you got Oladipo. That's that's the list from the top ten available free agents that, that they're now all gone. If Bontemps, if Oladipo has a good year and he did not play well in the preseason and he did not play well in the bubble and he did not play well when he came back from the injury last year, but if he has a good year this year, there's going to be big time offers out there for him. He he has a window where he can do this. No question. I mean, he again, he's he's another guy that could be a beneficiary of the situation, right? I mean, the other guys, there's good players that are going to be available, you know, guys like Mike Conley and Kyle Lowry and, and different guys, but they're all older and Victor should be in his prime. And if he can look like anything close to the player he was when he was an all NBA player two years ago before the injury, you know, he's a guy that certainly should be in position to get a max. And if he doesn't look like that player, he won't be. And, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see what he looks like. Cause as, as you point out, you know, especially if Drew extends with the Bucks. Uh, there, and if Kawhi stays with the Raptors or with the uh, the Raptors with the Clippers, um, you know, there's there's very little talent available for teams to go after, and there's a bunch of teams with cap space, including the team where Ben McMahon is in Dallas that was hoping to add a star level player this summer. So, you know, Victor looks like one. He could really be a huge beneficiary. All right. Well, we'll see. Thank you, uh, guys, for making this happen. Thank you, Detroit. In Bristol, have everybody has a, a good holiday season. We'll talk to you uh, next week and um, enjoy it. Thanks a lot for listening to Hoop Collective. Adios, amigos. <laughs>